Crawlers. We would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio, where we have returned for an exciting, exciting episode. Now, some of you may think that Dungeons and Dragons is a boring game. Some of you may be excited by slaying dragons and trolls, but there is one person on the show this evening that was so impressed that not only has he made it his career, but he has also decided to go for a world record of the biggest game of Dungeons and Dragons, and that is Dax the Vine, which is with us tonight. You flatter me, Daniel. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, you know, Dax and I have been on panels in the past, and then when I saw this event happen, unfortunately, I wasn't able to be a part of it, but there are several people that I know that were. It was amazing to see uh, you attempt this, and we wanted to bring you on the show to talk about you know, not only your, your day job, because th- you, this is literally your day job, dungeon mastering, mm-hmm. but going for this record. So what was the, the previous record, or was there ever a record before? So there wasn't currently a record for largest game of Dungeons & Dragons, according okay. to, to Guinness World Records. Um, and so when, uh, we, when we reached out to them, they said, well, if you want us to fly out, you need to have at least 500 people. So that was the goal. But we didn't just want to hit that goal. We wanted to shatter that goal and make it as hard as possible for anyone else to try to top it afterwards. If you're going to set the bar, set it high. Exactly. Yes. So where where did the bar, the bar end up falling? Um, are we going to spoil that in the first few episodes of the podcast? Oh, are we going right. to slowly <laughs> build? To, I don't know if first we were at 500. Episodes. Maybe we were at 400. Maybe maybe yeah, it's a no. sad story or yeah, come back for next episode. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, know, I'm dramatic as hell. So like, It's almost like it's you awesome. know how to tell a story for a living. Yeah, I, I, I just practice a lot, a lot of practice, a lot of, a lot of uh, stories going terribly wrong that I have to improvise for. I should have rolled an insight check. That's That was the problem. <laughs> no, you're yeah. doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> so, so you you go you get this idea to make this record-breaking event. Where did you have to start? I mean, obviously okay. you contacted Guinness, but like, what took place first? So, we need to clear up something. This was not originally my idea. I actually came late to this project, Ooh. but this was a massive, massive team effort. Um, the original idea uh, belongs to Andrew Ashby, who is the owner of the Geek Together Tavern at the Provo Town Center Mall. And um, he opened up his store last uh, November and had big dreams, had big aspirations. And one of these was hey, let's. Let's see how many people we can stuff into this small and get a a world record while we're doing it. Because one, that would be awesome. Bragging rights for life and great publicity for the store. And so this was his idea. And the next person to really come into that story was Johnny Jensen. And Johnny Jensen had come by the store and heard about this idea and thought it was dumb. He's like, you can't do that. But if you were to do that, (laughs) this is how I would do that. And came back a few weeks later after a lot of brainstorming with a binder full of his ideas on how he was going to make this dream a reality. How you were going to make all the tables interconnected so that they all felt that part of one story instead of just, you know, a bunch of people playing D&D in the same proximity to one another. I want to come back to that later on when we get into logistics. So don't forget that point. Oh, so many logistics. So many logistics. So many. And then I came into it uh, about a month after that. 
because I heard that they were doing this. I, I visited the store. I heard about it. I took the flyer. And for the last three years, I've been working as a professional dungeon master. This is my full-time job. I started my business, Dungeon Master Direct, in February of 2020. Nice. Which means by the time oh, March awesome. 2020 happened, guess who already had a website, a business license, a bank account, and was running ads and recruiting players. I Auspicious. was Yes. I could not have timed that better if I tried. I got so busy that summer that I quit my day job to keep up with it. And I've been doing it for three years. I've done corporate games, all sorts of parties with people all over the world. I think I've run over 500 games in the last uh, three years. Wow. I ran a game earlier today actually. Mm -hmm. That's why I was able to meet tonight because it was a corporate game. So yeah, it's great. Um, it's fantastic, but it's been from home. It's been isolated and I've, I've got a cool setup now. It used to not be as cool and fancy. I didn't always have, you know, the fancy lights and bells and whistles and swords <laughs> on the wall, but it's grown and, but it's just been here in my room and, you know, all my friends are all over the world um, where my players are. And so in the last year or so, as the pandemic kind of got over or people got over the pandemic, I don't know what's going on in the world right now, but I made it a goal to be more actively involved in the local community um, because there are so many great nerds here in Utah and there's so many great stores and there's so many opportunities to meet people. And I had spent, you know, I had spent the pandemic just living online. And I wanted to change that. I wanted to, you know, live a live a dual life, I guess you could say. And so I started um, doing games at Life, the Universe, and Everything, and FanX. And I even had the awesome privilege of running a game at Dragonsteel Con last year. Oh, um, wow. Which was awesome. Um, and I'm going to be doing more stuff with uh, Dragonsteel, hopefully, in the future. But... Um, but that was great. And so for the last year, I've been, I guess, building up my resume for doing these big in-person events. So when I found out that there was going to be a Guinness record and they didn't have a head DM exactly picked out for that, they had a writer and they had a store owner and neither, both of them could have done it, but they were kind of looking for someone else. That's when I stepped in with my, with my nicely polished resume and gave them a pitch on how I would uh, lead this event, how I would delegate things out and kind of the structure that I saw it taking and sort of bringing the emotional beats into the larger story to make everybody feel connected. And so then I was brought in as the third member of that core team. So it was, it was Andrew, it was Johnny, and then it was me. We had a producer, a writer, and a head dungeon master. And so that is how it really started. By the time I came in, they had already uh, talked to Guinness. They were already working on contracts. But when I came in, I also helped a lot with the marketing, getting people involved, um, reaching out to local businesses and sponsors and getting people excited. And then there was a huge surge in our registrations because we we wanted people to register ahead of time um, so we'd have enough seats for everybody. But yeah. Uh, there's my roundabout tangent on how this wasn't my idea. I was just happy to be part of the team. But that's incredible. I mean, even in that ex explanation, there are so many logistics and honestly, things that could go wrong. <laughs> and usually in, in any event of sufficient size, things go wrong all the time. What were some of the obstacles or some of the all of a sudden oh no's that occurred in this process? Okay. So as part of the event, we were in a mall 
and malls are great. You can fit a lot of people in there. There's food built in, there's restrooms, there's security. One of the problems with the mall is their sound systems aren't the greatest <laughs> and malls are not built for acoustics. And so I was up on stage and I had the microphone and I was giving these dramatic descriptions and intense monologues, but not everybody could hear it. Um, there would be this echo through throughout the mall. And so the people who were close and the people on the second level, they got, you know, the full experience, but the people on the fringes further away that they could hear something was coming through the speakers, but with all of the echoing and all the noise, they were sort of cut off from, from what was happening on the main stage. And we, we had anticipated this. And so the suggestion that I had is that I would bring in a team of captains, some other like super GMs that would answer to me. Uh, that would go around and they would each be over about 25 tables and they would basically go and enact chaos in my name. Mm -hmm. um, I like it. What I would love to have done is been able to visit every single table, make guest appearances, look into people's eyes as they make their death saving throws, you know, uh, you know, hear their, their taunting and their battle cries. But I couldn't be there for everybody. So I had nine captains who did this for me. They were each given a section. And sometimes they were just helping and supporting and giving the DMs whatever they needed. And sometimes they did appear as uh, NPCs. Um, and they they had some great experiences with that. All right. So it, getting the sound out to yeah. everyone in a way that made sense, that was very, yeah, mall acoustics are the worst. They're horrible. Mm -hmm. When I walked around the event, because I wasn't on stage the whole time. Um, if I was on stage the whole time, then when would people get to play D&D, right? So I had to right. know mm -hmm. when to give announcements, get everyone excited, start the next act, and then let the DMs take charge. Because the DMs, they're really the heroes who made the story happen. Um, and so I would go around uh, the mall and kind of do a vibe check in each area. And I would talk to my captains and be like, hey, is everyone engaged? What's going on? And uh, one of my captains, Kirsten, she's she was great. We we dubbed her the Queen of the Fringes because she volunteered for the one section that was furthest away from the main stage. <laughs> um, and so I went over there and I'm like, did you hear any of my announcements? And she said, not a thing. Nobody knows what's going on. <laughs> and I had a choice to make in that moment. Like, what do we do? How do I get these people to feel like they are part of the main action, even though they're so far removed from it? And these were people who their characters were on the wall, defending it from the constant hordes of undead that were attacking. So already feeling isolated from the rest of the battle. And so... I approached them as like a town crier and without a microphone, just at the top of my lungs, started making those those same announcements and made sure that anyone who couldn't hear the microphone, they got something else from me. And I would get people to yell. I'd get people to chant. I'd get people to bang on their tables and stomp their feet. Chant for the wall, 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 or city guard, city guard, city guard, you know, get, get a little bit of competition uh, going. Um, so just everyone felt included. And then I told them, like, if I come back, it's not going to be good. <laughs> so I came back with my dungeon master screen in hand and I saw 
players and DMs freeze, <laughs> worried if I was going to come arrive as Vecna and murder all of their characters. <laughs> I didn't get as many chances to do that, but there were a few good moments as Vecna scattered throughout the battlefield. That's phenomenal. So yes. what an immersive experience that must have been for everybody, including, you know, you mentioned the DMs at the table, the super DMs mm -hmm. who are the captains, yourself. Uh, we're starting to get like, we're starting to reveal more and more about what the true headcount of this whole thing was. But uh, before we get there, how long did this game last? Was was there a time requirement for it to uh, establish an appropriate record with Guinness? There wasn't a time requirement. There was a secret time requirement where we knew, you know, at what time they were going to be counting, but that was not something that we broadcast mm -hmm. to everybody. But we also had a team of moderators that reported to Johnny, our head writer. And the moderators did all of our counting, and they ran a bunch of communications between tables. And also keeping track of the successes and the failures at each table. Because if one section of the battlefield fell, that would have rippling effects throughout the rest of the encounter. Another way to make it feel more connected and immersive. Wow. Um, and so we had uh, the moderators working on that. Lots of people running around, lots of people with very specific goals. That's one of the things that I wanted to talk about is this was somewhat unorthodox in that you had many, many tables, many small parties going through a role-playing game, but each of their games were connected with everybody else's into a larger story. And that's not something that is very common. Usually it's a campaign, a party, a table. This is a whole bunch of them. So can you share with our listeners how you set this up so that all of them could interact with each other and how you connected these stories so you can have a scalable adventure? Because the typical adventure of four to eight party members, any more larger than that, it's just, you can't deal with it, right? <laughs> but this was at least 500, well... 500 we were hoping for it, it was many who knows it was many episode, so not. how do you so yeah so so talk about the scalability how did you scale this adventure up and make it work so i mentioned we had the the captains who were who were my eyes and ears we had the moderators that were answering to our writer and recording the successes and failures i remembered krebs original question was how long did we have to play and we were planning for four hours Wow, because um, four hours wow. is, you know, that's kind of the typical D&D session these days. Yeah. Um, live streams and actual play podcasts have kind of standardized, you know, three to four, maybe five hours if things are crazy. And we knew people were going to be hungry. And so, yeah, so we're shooting for four hours. Um, we have tables all throughout the mall. We have uh, at least 100 other people involved in this uh, between the moderators, the captains, the people, the vendors, everyone at the food court. So there's, you know, an army of people working together for this. And how do we scale the story? Um, so Johnny created this fantastic set of adventures where each table was going to be assigned to one of four sections. Um, the feeling we were going for was this was going to be a last stand, battle of Helm's Deep, battle at the Alamo type stand nice. against the unending hordes of the undead and each table is a different section of that so we had um the ones who were on the wall who were trying to repel these uh, siege engines and these ladders that were coming up we had the um the city guard who was trying to preserve peace and order within the town there were the gatekeepers who were controlling the 
the flow of refugees and trying to save as many people, but also, you know, make sure that there weren't any bad actors getting into the city. And then we had the cavalry, those who were outside the city on, on horseback who had to raid enemy supply lines and destroy enemy trebuchets. So there's four different um, packets and each uh, DM got their packet ahead of time and it was divided into three acts. So the first wow. act is an introduction. And then after the first act, we had the moderators calculate the total number of successes and failures for different objectives that um, people on the wall were trying to accomplish or people at the gates were trying to accomplish. And depending on if we had more successes or more failures, that was going to affect the adventure in the second act. And each yeah. act was about an hour-ish, you know, with a little break in the middle for lunch. Um, and so the wall fell um, oh. after the first act. And oh, it was wow. within one failure. Like, Oh, um, wow. Oh, that's, was that's perfect neck, balance. Um, that's dramatic. Neck and neck. And I was happy because we planned out four potential endings um, for this, you know, with a little room to elaborate if we needed to. And as soon as the wall fell, I realized, oh, we're one step closer to my favorite of the four endings. <laughs> <laughs> I want this to get dark before it gets bright again. And so the second act uh, begins and successes and failures are uh, accounted for there as well. And that led into the types of monsters that were attacking the city. If the gates fall, armored trolls are going to burst through the city. Um, if the wall falls, then Vecna is going to personally come into the city and start calling out um, for their goddess to turn herself over. So yeah, we, in real time, we got to add these new twists to the story. And I was able to go up on stage and announce, you know, what had happened. Did the wall fall? Did the wall stand? Um, what objectives were met? Which ones failed? And then show them how Vecna was responding to their, to their plight. Um, so much fun. So awesome. And Johnny did a fantastic job putting that together and making everything feel connected. Now, after this happened, and there's been a lot of talk on social media about it, people who weren't there try to make jokes like, oh, that must be the worst if you're like, you know, number 200 in initiative and you have to wait forever for your turn. But that's not <laughs> what it was. Yeah. And people yeah. who were there were like, no, this was connected. We did identify with the city. We we had a purpose. We were all rallying behind the banner of Aldath, the goddess of light and the goddess of peace. And... It, it was so electric being there. I'm sad that you all missed it. You need to come next time. <laughs> yes. yes. For sure. I actually got the invite and just out of obligation and necessity, I couldn't make it, but I wanted to. Um, and and the by the way, the, the mechanics of this, the, like the, the GM sort of like design of this, if you think about it, anyone who's ever DM'd or GM'd before, your goal is to make every player at your table feel like the story is theirs in part, mm -hmm. right? Like they have some important role to play. And let me tell you, depending on how players handle their character generation, that can be a daunting task. Some players like to make your job hard. <laughs> By coming up with character sports, like, how is this ever going to fit in? But then, you know, good good GMs and good players find a way. But on a macro scale, now you're treating every table or every sort of like um, every squadron, every squad as sort of like, uh, you know, on a macro level, like a single player at your table, right? Like this group of people is now 
responsible for this role or set of roles. This other group of people have this dependency and so on. Uh, that's that's brilliant and it's genius. But then I come back to the thought of, okay, so how do you handle character creation for that many people? Great question. And when I run my games personally, you know, through my business, we either use pre-made characters if it's a one shot, which is great, or I will sit down with people and help them craft their character and make sure that their mechanics and their story line up with the themes of the campaign. So they f really feel like they're the protagonist. They're the ones with the most to lose and um, mm. so that they have a reason to fight. Obviously we couldn't do that for a mysterious number of people that I won't <laughs> reveal quite yet. Couldn't do that. Um, so we wanted to, and we knew some people were gonna be experienced. Some people were going to be brand new to this. And we wanted it to be accessible for the newbies and you know fun and challenging for the veterans as well so level five level five is what we did everyone was level five and they were each allowed like one magic item an x number of starting gold and so people were able to make their characters ahead of time or bring them in from their other games but level five is a great level because you can start being awesome you get extra attack you get third level spells but you're not you know you're not casting spells that affect the entire battlefield right when you're at fifth mm -hmm. level so um it was easier to balance the encounters around level five and we give everyone guidelines but again it was up to the dms to really deliver and make this a great experience and some dms were different experience levels some knew what they were doing they were bringing out you know tons of three-dimensional terrain and minis and were really getting immersed into it some people were dressed up for this saw someone in like a suit of plate armor and a, a gloriously you know witcher-like wig nice. um but then some people it was rather new and they were just using the printed off maps that we had and so my my captains, their job was to help the DMs feel supported, to never like take over their tables or put extra pressure on the DMs. But we created a system where the DMs could flag one of these captains if they wanted a guest appearance. So we gave everybody four playing cards, one for each suit. So if their players needed a little bit more of a challenge, if they needed a beatdown, they would flash the clubs to one of my captains the captains <laughs> I like were walking around in golden sashes so they knew who the captains were so clubs means beat down if they needed some healing um they would flash the hearts yeah and so the captains would come in as like a healer for like one round or two max to just help people out make a memorable experience and then fade into the background again so that the dm was still in control of their own story if they flash diamonds, that means they needed some a defender, you know, someone with a shield or someone who could help uh, balance the tide against the undead. And if they flash spades, well, that meant trouble. Oh, that meant we were going to send real difficulties their way. Um, and so a lot of my captains got flagged down for this. Um, uh, one of them had this undead dragon that was on its on its death throes crashing into the city wall and spraying things as it went um i heard some other stories about um tunneling goblins beneath the oh. battle who were just trying to get out and of course when i got to appear i appeared as vecna himself just blasting things left and right so yeah it was a cool system so if somebody needed an ex some extra help and support they they could subtly flag us and we'd come over but if someone was having a good time and was immersed in their own story and didn't, 
you know, want to have a spring in, that's all right. We're just there to support and to help. And I told them, I told each of my captains, like, we we're not the heroes. We're not the protagonists. We're we're the side characters. That's we're right. the best supporting characters. And they really took that to heart and made sure that it was the the players who got to shine. Now we've talked about the logistics. We've talked about some of the obstacles. We've talked about the mechanisms. Uh, and it this sounds insanely cool. I love everything about this. And we've already heard some hints. We've heard that there were nine captains where each captain was uh, over roughly 25 tables each, which comes out to 225 tables total. Okay, at average... least one dungeon master and one player at each table. So we're up to 50. So it's <laughs> more than 50. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so that, so that begs the question, on average, how many heads per table? And ultimately, what was the head count? Okay. Well, let me tell you about the finale. Okay, tell me, about, me tell the about the finale. You tease. Um, well, this is so wonderful. This I is love this. You can definitely tell. Don't ever stop. Because I didn't know the count um, while we were playing either, and I wasn't asking. Right, I knew the count was ongoing. I didn't want to know the final number until the end. So, with the, I mentioned that the goddess Eldath was a presence, and instead of me just playing another NPC, I wanted someone to actually dress up and embody that role to be a physical representation of the players themselves on stage facing Vecna. Folks at so, home, Dax would make a gorgeous goddess Elna. I mean, I could have pulled it off. I got the beard going on. Uh, but my friend Janie Eastman did a much better job than I could have. And it was so much fun playing off of her energy. So she came in. She was this ethereal warrior woman. We... You know, she had this beautiful flowing dress, but we also put these leather bracers on her and she had the spear. Because um, if the goddess of peace is going to war, you know things are serious. That so, is amazing. Um, so, yeah, she was on stage yelling at me, going back and forth. And it felt kind of like a wrestling match at times where we would like say stuff in the microphone and people would <laughs> cheer or boo. Um, or the finale, um, when Eldath is making her final push against the forces of Vecna and she confronts him. She had given each table a holy symbol, a holy symbol that they were using to raise their, their allies when they fell. And in that final moment, for the final round, all those holy symbols became these spears, spears oh. dedicated to her. Ooh. And so in that final act, they everybody at every table was fighting their own vessel of Vecna, their own you know, personification of evil. And they all had to stake the spear into their vessel before the time ran out and we were giving warnings like hey you have 40 minutes you have five minutes make sure they're in place and then once we got to that time and Eldath is facing Beckness she raises her spear into the air and then all the damage dealt to all of the vessels of Vecna would simultaneously roll to deal the final damage to him oh oh um, man so we got to do that and at that point we didn't know how many players or at least it hadn't been officially announced how many players but we all put our dice into the air i even had a die for that as well and we all rolled what was all... what, what was the damage stat what was the damage what was stat? the damage Twenty four thousand and something oh my oh. gosh yeah oh so if you divide that by 50 players that's a lot of damage for players. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so deals 24 points of damage to Vecna, ultimately defeats him, but sacrifices herself in the process. Oh. Because there were, you know, other objectives that had failed throughout the day. And while we're doing this finale, standing behind me was the Guinness World Record judge. And he was there, very official in his suit, very official in his thing. And we had told everybody for the finale, when we read out the total damage, everyone come to the stage safely because, you know, it's a mall and don't trample anybody. But everyone's at the stage. They're hanging on to every word. And Janie acts out that final stab with the spear. 24,000 points of damage. Vecna's defeated. Everyone's excited. Everyone's cheering. But there's still one big question on their mind. <laughs> How many players did we have? Do we get the record? And then uh, Michael from Guinness, he gets up, congratulates us, and reads out the number 1,227. <gasps> participants Whoa! everyone went nuts not only did we get the record but we crushed it oh we God. crushed what we needed we were secretly hoping for a thousand that's what we made our logistics around but we had 1227 people shouting and cheering and they were all rolling their dice at the same time in that final act um, it was amazing. And people are already asking, when are you going to do it again? <laughs> when are we going to do it again? And my sincere hope is that some other group, some other state, hears what we did and thinks they can do better and beats our record so that we can come back even harder and crush <laughs> theirs. That is what I want. <laughs> We're going to need That's to do awesome. it at two malls next time. <laughs> Just rent out the salt palace. And just like that, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Dax Levine, professional DM, has told a magnificent story across the span of our episode. Holy smokes. Yes. Yes. That was, that was amazing. You, you got to come next time. It's going to be a blast. Oh, blast. yes. We will. Yeah, we could have made it. We could have made it 1230. But yeah, no, this is that's amazing. And just the fact, because, you know, the largest group I've ever ran is 14 people. And that gets chaotic. It does. But to have, uh, you know, 1,227 people playing simultaneously and having this immersive thing that everyone was excited. I mean, just from the description of friends that I know that were there and from what you've told, everyone was completely immersed in this. You know, mm -hmm. if people went to run to the bath, needed to go to the bathroom they were like darting off and running back they didn't want to miss anything you know and they were they were going to grab food and right back it wasn't like oh yeah this is just something cool i'm doing today it was like man i gotta get back you know it's like <laughs> when you're in the middle of like guardians of the galaxy 3 and you need to go run to the restroom it's like no, i don't want to miss anything so you guys did a fantastic job at this and i, I i'm sad i missed it because uh, it probably would have been one of the great, I mean, I've had many great, fantastic uh, gaming uh, moments, and that this probably would have been counted among those. Was any there of this, will be more. Was any of this more. captured on video or streamed, or was there any media record that we, the plebeians who did not make it, <laughs> could go to to view in some part this experience? So initially we had planned on live streaming it. And for a while the stream was up, but there were some audio issues with it and the stream ended up not working out, but there were some other 
uh, people recording. I've seen a lot of cell phone footage <laughs> of me on stage and a lot of the um, big epic moments and the Guinness reveal that's been captured on video. So uh, nice. you know, talk to talk to me later. And, you know, I'll, I'll get you some clips that you can take a look at. <laughs> I love That'd it. Because awesome. it. Um, it's been fun watching those videos and kind of reliving it, but also seeing it from the audience's perspective and hearing them cheer and, you know, heckle Vecna. Um, but yeah, it was it was a blast. Sounds like it was so much fun. And Dax, you're just like larger than life. I had this experience the other day where I met a microbiologist for the first time. He was a lot bigger than I expected. <laughs> Insert laugh oh, track here. Oh, like, you guys are editing yeah. this afterwards, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. So, now that this is behind you, um, now I can't remember. Did the D&D movie come out before like this two event? weeks before. Two weeks so, before. So, I mean, how, how perfect was this? Because, I mean, they see the movie. They see the fun and the excitement of the Red Wizards that they trying to take over the city, okay? And they come to this event. And now you put them in a city. You put them as a guard, city guard, or someone on the wall. And they get to act out what they saw in the movie or what they've played in the past in game, but on this grand epic scale. And, I mean, you make a brilliant show of it. And then you get to a point where, you have these people on the outer fringes and you know, you realize they can't hear you. And so you just go with it. Like every DM does when things aren't going, you know, are kind of hectic a little bit, you just roll with the punches and then you start circling out there as a town crier or you, come, you know, I, I love how you're like, you don't want me to come back, <laughs> you know, but I love that. You know, it's kind of that, like that shirt, you know, that says about a DM smiling. You know, yeah. By the time the DM, DM smiles, it's, it's already, it's already too, late. too late. I have that yeah. on a coaster at my desk right oh, now. That's the DM awesome. is smiling. It's already too late. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it, it's like that. And it just seemed like this was probably one of the greatest, most epic games ever. And you were able to capture and embody everything that is amazing about this game. And this is the reason this game has survived for so long, despite corporations doing weird stuff with it by people believing they're satanic worshiping and blah 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 when you get down to it this is just a fantastic game that is fun to play at a table with friends and you know for those audience members who heard you regale us with a real world experience in a mall but made it sound like an epic poem but you know written by homer only enjoyable uh if they want <laughs> hey, to i love homer he is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> and I really love Homie, but but he don't play that. He anything. don't play that. Uh, for those people who would like to acquire your services for their own events, for their own games, if they want to have yes. the full Dax Levine experience, where do they go to find out more about how to experience your world? Well, there's two things you can do. One is you can just go to Google and Google Professional Dungeon Master. I should be on the first page. Um, <laughs> oh, wow! Yes. Yeah, that's uh, that an SEO right that there. That is a flex! Mm -hmm. Oh, um, my god! My company is called Dungeon Master Direct, so you can look us up, DungeonMasterDirect.com. I am only part of a team 
I've got two other DMs who are working for me and we're going to be expanding the team this year as well to get bigger and do even more exciting things. I do private events, I do corporate events, and I'm starting to do more things in person. We've got great venues nearby with Evermore. And I didn't even talk mm. about the live stream I did at Evermore the week of the D&D movie. That's, we could talk another hour about that. That's another episode. And then there's Geek Together. There's lots of places we can play. Love to be more involved with big events like this, but also kitchen tables are fun too. Uh, go on to the website, get in touch with us, follow us on all major social media channels. And I just started a podcast like two weeks ago. Oh, what? Um, yeah, like two weeks ago. Dungeons and Decks. Oh, nice. Um, seven episodes nice. are out. I've been doing like two a week, just trying to get them out. And we've been talking more in depth about these cool events. Um, so I talked about the live stream that I did with Evermore with a couple of my guests. And I had really in-depth conversations with the writer of our Dead Wars Guinness World Record event, Johnny Jensen, who I mentioned. I also interviewed Andrew Ashby, and we talked a lot about the logistics side of this event, if you're interested in that. And I talked to Janie, who played Eldath, and sort of bringing this character to life, because there's so many aspects, and I, this is not something that I did alone. This was not the Dax Levine show. It was a collaborative community experience, and all I did was just point everybody in the same direction. And once everyone was facing the same direction, they're the ones who charged and they're the ones who took their spears and fought valiantly. That is incredible. So once yes. again, folks, Dungeon Master Direct is the company, the team that Dax is on and the new podcast, Dungeons and Dax. Fun fact, I just rolled my observation skill and I found your podcast and immediately signed up for it. So yes. um, your com your compulsion, your psionic compulsion absolutely worked. I have dozens of followers now. Dozens! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, as we get to the end of our episode, there is a small tradition that we like to do ever since I infected a Dungeon Crawlers Radio with this, uh, with this practice. And it is our beloved lightning round. Now, woohoo, lightning we, round. Now, this is typically held for first time guests with special lightning rounds for those return guests. So, Dax, if you return, I will come up with something different. But this particular lightning round is extremely simple. I'm just going to lob some questions at you, rapid fire. And I just want the first answer that comes to mind. Mm. Nothing special. No need to do any research. Just first thing, top of mind. Sound and good? you won't be thrown off of a bridge. And you are we looking for one word answers? Are we looking for miniature tangents? Uh, rapid answers. But if an rapid, answer requires a little explanation, that's okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Are ready you ready for, for the lightning round? Ready for the lightning round. All right. Let's do this. Ready, set, go. Dex, what is your favorite color? Favorite color? Uh, black. What, how old were you when you played your first RPG? Mm, 10. Do you still have your first dice set? Um, I do. It's not from when I was 10. It was when I didn't get to play again until I was in college. Uh, it, is your set still complete? Um, yes, it, I bought it piecemeal. Um, there's just this bit of gold. Each die was about um, 50 cents each. I just got on the internet. Got it right here. I keep it. always keep it in range. Nice. Beautiful, beautiful. And finally, what is your stance on the 1983 sci-fi fantasy film Crawl? That was long before I was born, so I have no opinion on it. 
fair enough. Not that it's ever been produced on any sort of like persistent media, nor is it available streaming or anything like that, right? <laughs> There's so, so many know. movies these days. You know how hard it is to keep up with them. Like, I do. I do. I have a three-year-old. Like I could, I could quote like Disney movies and Pixar movies backwards and forwards to you. Totally understand you having never seen this movie. It is, it is a uh, what is referred to now as a cult classic. But I highly recommend checking out 1983's okay. sci-fi fantasy film Kroll. No, Kroll does not sponsor this episode. All right, so <laughs> yeah, so Dax, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for regaling us with this epic story, uh, folks. Definitely, if you want to run a game, if you want to have the this you know the, the wonderful tones of Dax's voice telling you a narration of your next DM adventure or campaign, go to Dungeon Master Direct, check out his podcast, Dungeons and Dax, and we'll catch you next time. You are too kind, too kind. <laughs> and my dungeon crawling nerdlings, remember to let your geek flag fly. So say we all. And whether you were there when the wall fell, or you witnessed the vanquishing of Vecna, always remember to be epic! And don't suck. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find us.